I'm licensed psychotherapist Greg Woodhill. Welcome to a Brave New Man podcast. On this show, we speak with both experts and non-experts in our goal of exploring all the ways that men are already getting it right, acknowledging all the ways that we're getting it wrong, and most importantly, learning how we can fix what needs to be fixed in order to have healthier, happier relationships and lives. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I consider this week's podcast to be very important, and I'm glad you're listening, because we're going to be talking about victims who come forward and say that they experience some sort of sexual assault or sexual boundary violation and have decided that it's time to have their stories be heard. At the end of 2017, we all remember the numerous people who came forward with sexual allegations against Harvey Weinstein, and the hashtag MeToo movement was started. This was a really important turning point for us because people who had felt like they hadn't had a voice up until that point felt like suddenly it was safer to come forward and let their voices be heard because they had been carrying around the pain of what they had been through for long enough. It became really clear to us that there had been a power imbalance for as long as we could remember, and that the people in power were able to get away with egregious violations of other people's boundaries without anyone else knowing because the person who was not in power felt too afraid of the consequences to let anyone know what had happened. Sadly, over the last couple of years, what I've seen happen is that someone will come forward with an allegation of sexual abuse or sexual assault only to be called liars, to be told that they were looking for 15 minutes of fame, to be told that they had some sort of vendetta against the person or that they were trying to cash in and make money on it. And this has been really hard for me to watch over the last couple of years because I don't know if you know anybody that wants to become famous for being a victim of sexual abuse, but I have not yet met that person. Knowing that throughout time there are people who have come forward with false accusations, it's hard to know. Do we believe the victim who's coming forward and saying that somebody sexually violated them? Or do we believe the person being accused knowing that there are accusations that aren't true? One of the biggest problems that I've seen happen over the last couple years is that the general public has tended to align themselves with whoever they liked and supported before they heard the allegation. The Brett Kavanaugh hearing was an amazing spectacle because someone came forward with a very serious allegation from a long time ago, and it seemed that those who wanted Brett Kavanaugh to be in the Supreme Court said that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford was a liar, that she was crazy. They just didn't believe her. Those who wanted Brett Kavanaugh not to be on the Supreme Court would say that she was credible and that he was the liar. So it seemed that people were predetermined already to decide whether or not they believed her or believed him. Now, that's a big problem because you know what happens then? We're not even curious about the human beings that are going through this. We're not ready to believe the story of someone that we want to be guilty. And we're not ready to hear the story of someone when we want to protect the person that we like. So do we believe or do we not? Bill Maher recently was talking about the difference between believing all victims that came forward and taking all victims seriously. And I think that's an important distinction. Taking someone seriously means listening to what they have to say, asking questions, being curious about what they went through. And we can listen to the person who's being accused and hear what they have to say as well. 
So often we are demonizing people that we simply don't know. People are discredited only because we don't want the person being accused to be guilty. And to me, this is a blight on humanity. We're at a time right now where everybody knows, we've heard this a thousand times, we're more divided as we ever have been before, as a country and I think as a world. But can we start to take seriously when people say that they've been through something traumatic and become curious as opposed to thinking we already know the answers because we simply don't? So can you remember that whether or not you believe somebody or don't believe somebody, that all parties involved are human beings who are going through something real? Our guest today is Shireen Hariri. She was inspired to come forward because of the Me Too movement and issued a statement about something that happened to her more than 20 years ago. You'll hear her talk about some of the responses that were really supportive, and you'll also hear her talk about a lot of the responses that were berating and dehumanizing and that hurt her very badly. So as we listen to this interview, I'd love all of us to be thinking about how do we have preconceived judgments about people where we tend to believe or not believe them because of the biases we're already holding in our mind and therefore not being curious about somebody and what they've been through. Here's the interview. We are here today with Shireen Hariri. Shireen, I'm really happy to see you. And thank you, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. I've known Shireen for many, many years. I consider you a very close friend of mine. I trust you. And I was in awe of the courage it took for you to come forward when you did last year. And I'm so happy that we can be here today to talk about what you went through in your words. So I want to just say a few words about you. Shireen is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's a certified sex therapist here in Los Angeles, which is in the line of work of how we met and worked together years ago. So thanks again for being here. My pleasure. Can we just start with your story? about what happened to you in your 20s that you then eventually came forward with in the Me Too movement? Yeah, um, I was working out at the Warehouse Entertainment in Los Angeles, where I had been for several years. And in April of 1995, when I was 24 years old, we had an in-store appearance with the band Duran Duran. Uh, fans had camped out overnight to see this band. There were reportedly about 1,000 people waiting outside to get in. I was working the in-store, and before any of the fans came in, there was a kind of a little photo op that we did where the band was seated in these chairs, and we, some of the employees, were standing kind of alternating between them, standing next to them, slightly behind them, whatever it was. And Simon LeBon took that moment in time as cameras were going off to spend at least half a minute groping my rear end and my genitals mm. through my pants. And I froze and didn't know what to do, and we can talk more about that. But And then afterwards, he made a kind of a comment about the glare I had on my face, which seemed to indicate that he understood that he knew what he had done. Mm -hmm. And that was basically it. Um, I, at the time, I, I told my, one of my supervisors and a friend who was a witness to me telling my supervisor. I told a number of people I worked with. I told probably within a couple of weeks um, at least one family member, many of my friends, et cetera, et cetera. And um, really nothing came of telling anybody because I didn't, 
do more than that at the time. And then years later, after an agonizing process of trying to figure out what to do with the feelings that were starting to resurface around the time that uh, the U.S. presidential election happened in 2016, I started to feel very activated and very triggered by some of the things that I was hearing and seeing happen. And I felt like I needed to, I I came out of kind of like a trauma stupor, basically, and decided I felt like I needed to do something about it. And contacted, long story short, contacted an attorney and had her contact his people. We had a long back and forth about the possibility of him coming to meet me in Los Angeles and kind of talking about it with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Months passed. He, that did not happen. It seemed from my end that he just stopped contacting us. And I decided to just kind of go public or at least post it on my Facebook, which once that goes viral, it goes very public, I guess, which I wasn't totally anticipating. But, you know, I did also want it to go public because I felt like people should know that this this person had done this thing and um, that it affected at least one person, me. And I was hoping that by doing that, something would come of it. Yes, sure. So So when you made that decision to come forward, you were hoping something would come of it as far as how it would feel for you in your own Mm -hmm. process of actually, as you said, what do I do with this feeling that's been in you for so long, but then growing because of, like you said, because of the election and all that was happening. What was the difference between... I like my life the way it is now, and this is something I have to do. It was kind of a process, and I'll tell you, you know, briefly maybe, the process. So when Donald Trump was running for the presidency and the Access Hollywood tape came out, and he was talking about his sort of entitled way of how he can grab at women because he's famous and all of that, something happened inside my head where basically it felt like it was Simon LeBond saying those things. Wow. It, it felt to me, it hurt, I heard sort of the inner thoughts of what I imagined Simon LeBond thought about himself and his right to women's bodies, yes. my body, you know. And I started to feel like I needed to do something about it. And then I, this is actually a true story. I had a client, and I'm not going to obviously name any names because of confidentiality. I'm not going to give many details, who shortly after that had been sexually assaulted by a prominent person. And in listening to her talk about that and her struggles and some of the things she was saying and trying to catch myself in, in being very meticulous about what I said to her, I realized that I was having a lot of feelings about my own situation. It wasn't exactly the same thing, but it was similar enough that it started to, like, it kicked up a lot of emotional dust in me. I'm sure. And I started to feel very shaky when I would leave those sessions where she was talking about her situation and started to talk again to many of the friends that I had told previously about this thing that had happened, told a couple new people, um... One of them said, hey, why don't you just talk to an attorney about it? And I did. And at that time, I was deathly afraid of having any kind of publicity around it. So I kind of wanted to see if there was some alternative way that I could feel better. Mm -hmm. My fantasy at the time, 
And I get that now that it was a fantasy, but my fantasy at the time was that my attorney would reach out to him and his attorney and he would, you know, basically just say, I'm sorry for whatever might have happened. And I'm, I'm just really sorry I was drunk or I was stupid or, you know, yeah. I've learned since then that, you know, I don't have the right to do those things. And I'm sorry that whatever I thought I was doing affected you the way that it did. I didn't mean to harm you. And that, if I'm hearing you correctly, mm. would have been enough. That, that would have been enough. That would have been everything. That would have been everything. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted him to admit necessarily that he had done it because yeah. it was 22 years ago. And I, you know, this is a band who has been doing this for many, many years since the early 80s. I did not expect him to remember it, but I did expect him to take some ownership of the possibility that maybe somebody that he had thought he could do it to didn't want it. Yeah. And I mean, I really, stupidly maybe, I really thought that he might be that person, that my person who did this thing maybe would be a little bit better at having a balanced response, not admitting it, not legally admitting it, you know, it's way past any statute of limitations. There was nothing really to be done, you know, from any reparative, like legal reparative place. He wouldn't have gotten in any trouble, but still I can understand someone not wanting to admit it publicly. Sure. Well, that's and so interesting to me because it seems like what you really needed was just the human element of, yes. I want you to hear what I went through and I want you to know what effect it had on me. And I just want to hear from you that you've heard me and that it meant something to you. That seems very clear. That's, that's all you were after. There was no yeah. need to humiliate. You weren't looking to hurt somebody or Absolutely. hurt their career. I would have rather, honestly, Greg, I would have rather not had any publicity about it. I would have rather that we had Ideally, he would have just sent me some note that had said, I, I hear you. I'm sorry for whatever might have happened. I regret some things that I've done. I'm sorry for any pain I might have caused you. And I probably would have been absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Well, so that meeting didn't happen. The response you wanted from him didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And the and so you took the step of, of publishing the story. Yes. You yes. put it on Facebook and you made it public. Yes. What was the response that you got? Wow. It was, it went very viral. I was getting within an hour of posting this thing, which was, I believe on, I want to say it was July 9th of 2018. I started getting all of these people messaging me, some of the, some of whom I knew, a couple who were actually journalists wishing that they could have broken the story, I guess, or something. But primarily the reaction I got was a flurry And when I say flurry, I mean so many instant messages, mostly through Facebook, some posts on Facebook until I I had to temporarily take the post down for about half a day. And then until I kind of realized, oh, yeah, I can make it so that nobody can actually post anymore and leave it public, which I did. And the messages that I got were primarily... I don't, I can't, I don't want to repeat some of this language, but it was basically calling me all sorts of names, Mm. accusing me of wanting money, which I didn't, of wanting fame, which I didn't, Mm -hmm. of wanting to write us, you know, someone had read that I was a screenwriter in in my post, original post, uh, that I was just trying to get a story out of it, which I wasn't. So I would say about two thirds of the messages that I got were really, really, really dark and insulting. And then about a third of them 
were actually really lovely, where people, primarily fans of his, were messaging me to say, I love this band, I love him, I've loved them since the 80s, but I believe you. I see. And I believe that he could have done this. Well, I have a question. Mm -hmm. From our conversations before on this, what I understand is that a lot or all of the negative conversations, let me say the negative comments, Mm -hmm. came at you publicly. So if they were, I'm sure there were direct messages, but then they were public as well. Yes. Whereas I would guess, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the vast majority of positive supportive comments came privately where people weren't willing to take a stand in public and say i believe you i know you're telling the truth and i support you but they weren't saying that publicly is that correct so i have to admit i didn't read a lot of the public stuff good yeah i just kind of sent my friends to go mine anything positive that anybody might have said if they felt like it but good for you yeah it just didn't seem healthy of course to to obsessively wonder what people were saying but of the little bit I saw, and when I months later when I felt like I could sort of venture into it a little bit, I, I saw a lot of vitriolic, mean, awful comments online for the most part. And then periodically there would be people who did support me publicly. And I you know, I made up that based on the way I was getting treated, the negative way that people were kind of talking about me, it was it would have been scary for a lot of these people to say anything publicly. Sure. Well, this question is multi, multi-layered, really, because of you received a lot of different messaging, but how did it feel to receive this entire spectrum of responses from people? You reading them, you knowing that this happened to you. How did it feel? What did you go through internally? Oh, so complicated. So the worst of the things I got made me start to get really paranoid. How so? Meaning if some unusual vehicle stopped outside my house... I started to get really concerned. Wow. I asked people to make sure doors were closed, locked. You know, there was a lot of like, oh my God, what if they, someone doxes me and comes, people come after me and, sure. you know, what if, what if, what if? So there was a little, certainly a little bit of that. Um, but taking that out of the equation for a moment, the negative stuff this is going to be a weird thing to say, but it really hurt my feelings in a way because I, I have always prided myself on being a person with a lot of integrity. Yes. And for people to who don't know me, who claim all these things about me, like especially I'm a liar or I have all these ulterior motives, at first at least I felt like I really bristled at it, you know, because they didn't know the process I went through to decide to do this right. and, and how much thought and care I put into making sure every single word I put in my statement was accurate. And if it wasn't a hundred, if I wasn't a hundred percent sure, not putting it in there. I mean, I was so meticulous about everything. So my, my initial, like that first week, I I barely slept. Mm. I, I really like, I felt so sad. I felt sad for, I felt sad for me primarily. And having had 22 years of sitting with this thing. Yeah. But I also felt kind of sad for the world because it felt like my version of this was sort of such a microcosm of what's just going on out there. And my whole, like everything I do is in hopes as a therapist is in hopes that people can get healthier Yes, and people can grow and evolve and look at their, take ownership of their part in things and 
care about other people and learn empathy and learn communication and all of that. And so much of what was happening was just the opposite of that. And it kind of made the whole thing feel like I was just, we were screwed, you know, like as a, as a people, as a people, Mm. as a culture. And so because the first flurry that I got of responses was almost all negative, I, that first week was really, really, really hard. And I I, I was infuriated that he was going to get away with it because he of course denied it. His response was anyone who knows me would know I never did this. And then some friend of his said I was there. I never took my eyes off him. It's impossible that this happened. And then people posting pictures of, well, I was one of the fans and there's no way that, and I, every one of those that came that I happened to see, um, or hear about just, just made me want my head wanted to explode. Why do you think, why did you say earlier that you find it might be surprising that it hurt your feelings? That makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I, I guess I think about the, the way that people view people who do this. And I think that a lot of people on the outside of one of these situations who doesn't really understand it doesn't really think about the feelings of the actual person. I would say you're correct in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is one of the things, one of the many reasons I wanted to talk to you here today is because I think that that is the whole thing yeah. that I think it's, it's about what do I think? What do I want? Who do I want to defend? And they're not thinking about who's on the other side of that message that they're sending or that you're a real person or that the fact that you're coming forward and that it was hard for you to come forward and there was maybe torture for you to come forward, but that that you are a human being who went through something traumatic and they're not willing to even listen to what you're saying and consider that you've been through some pain. Yes, all of that. Well, I find that really sad too. Uh, what did you hope for when you came forward as far as a response from people? I hoped for, I, I guess, let me first say that I, I expected some of this. Yes. I expected some of this. And let me set this up first before I answer your question, that a big, big part of my initial reaction to the thing that was happening in the moment, him groping me, was I was aware that there were a thousand fans outside who all loved him. And if I had done anything in front of cameras in that moment, my whole life would change. Yes, for the worst. For the worst. Mm-hmm. Because I had no proof because nobody was standing behind us. Right. There was literally nobody behind us when this happened, so nobody would have seen it. He's a very, in my mind at that time, he was very powerful and loved, and he was famous and rich, and yeah. I was not those things. And, and all of these people outside, like standing there wondering if I should say anything or do anything, I actually sort of imagine like people coming after me with pitchforks. And mm. I know that seems a little dramatic, but in, at that time it was that, that was the feeling. Of course. It wasn't that I actually thought, of course, that they'd have pitchforks. But that's but how much terror you were that feeling. That was the terror I was feeling, that yeah. these people were going to basically have exactly the same reaction that they had when I actually did it. Sure. So maybe I was 22 years stronger and more ready to do it, but mm. this that was sort of understood that there was going to be some version of that. Yeah. But what I hoped for was that we as people had evolved to a point, we as a society had evolved to a point where enough of us could say, ooh, I hate that this is even a possibility, that this person that I loved or admired or idealized for all these years, as much as I feel those feelings, I also get that you probably are telling the truth. Yes. Maybe you're telling the truth. Maybe I can hold like a possibility here. And I was hoping that more people, and some people did do this, but more people would say, 
this is hard for me to believe, but I'm open to hearing that it might have happened, that, that this person maybe has something to look at in right. himself that isn't as, I don't know, clean or caring or moral or whatever word. You, you, are, you are, from what I'm hearing, a part of you is hoping that they could hold two realities at once. One, I love this band and I love this singer. And two, this woman may be telling the truth. Yes. And at least at least hold that possibility Yes. that I'm listening to someone who says this happened to her. And really, throughout the whole process, I found myself having so much empathy for him and his family and the people that he knows and even the people who were defending him mm-hmm. because he's human too. Mm. I'm human. He's human. The fans, the people that are defending him are human. I mean, we're all struggling with how do we get out of whatever our thing is, our our belief system. It's really, really hard sometimes yeah. to let go of that. And I really, half of me was thinking like he probably didn't even realize that what he was doing was wrong in the moment Yes, for all the possible reasons. Yes. You know, maybe he was so used to having women fawn over him mm. that he just expected that this ass standing next to him belonged to someone who'd want it yes right and i thought about that too i thought about that you know maybe he really truly believes he didn't do it yeah and you have empathy for that i have a lot of empathy for that i have a lot of empathy for anybody who's being accused unless they very very clear there's certain people i don't have empathy for but this person simon levon i do have empathy for and i do have empathy also because i've had friends who were accused of things male friends And some women who were accused of doing things and didn't know how to respond to that and were really good people and maybe were able to get to a place where they would admit, yes, what I did might have been inappropriate, but I certainly didn't think I was doing what this person is accusing me of. Right. So I've, I've heard with friends, with clients, I've heard the opposite of it as well. I've heard all sides. My heart goes out to everyone who's concerned that their sons their male friends, whoever, are going to be accused falsely. I really, really get it. Yeah. And we have to listen to all of it yes. first. We can't cut people off yes. before they can at least be heard. God, I think that's so important. Yeah. What would you say, Shireen, to somebody, whether it's now or in the future, who is a victim of any sort of sexual assault, who's considering... I want to come forward because I want to be heard, but I'm not willing, or I don't know if I'm willing, to deal with the backlash of what's going to come at me, the venom that's going to come at me. What would you say to those people? The first thing I would say to them is I totally get it. Mm. I totally get it. I struggled with that same thing. It is a hard thing to to get to the point where you want to come forward and it, the reason for coming forward probably feels like it needs to be bigger than the secret. Mm. So I get it. And I would also say to any victim who wants to come forward, you are going to be supported by a lot of people. Mm. There are a lot of us out here who are here. And I am always happy if anyone comes to me and says anything like that, I'm happy to be on their side and have their back because I am not afraid anymore. I love that. And so what I'm not hearing you say is, if they come forward, we need to make sure that the person that they're accusing is locked up or that, that they're 100% right and the other person's 100% wrong. You're saying, I would listen, I would support them in coming forward and, and being heard. Absolutely. So this is a bit of a crazy question. Okay. If you had it all to do over again, 
would you do the same thing all over again? As far as the, the, it's such a, it is a loaded question. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I go back in time, there are things I wish I had done differently originally. I see. But let's assume for the moment that I couldn't have done that any differently for whatever reason. I probably would do this again. The only maybe change I would have made is I would have been clearer to him. I would have said, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you to hear me out. Yes. And I'm looking for you to do it soon because I don't want to be waiting to hear what you think needs to be done here. I need you to hear me and I need you to hear me now because I am bursting at the seams and I need to get some kind of healing here. Yes. I might have had my attorney tell his attorney to tell him that. Sure. But that is probably the only thing I would have changed. I might have tweaked my statement slightly now that I know some of the things that people were going to say to me. I might have addressed those in my original statement if I could. I understand. But no, there's really nothing else I would change. Yeah. I feel I actually feel in the end really good about what I did. I yes. feel like I did it for my my child. I feel like I did it for me. I feel like I did it for other women. You know, any voice that gets added to this is just a little bit more for for the women who, or the people, because I, I get that it's not all women who Correct. are holding right. me two stories, for the people who are afraid to come forward. Yeah. And one day we are all going to get to a tipping point where we no longer are going to just be sitting in the shit of it. We're going to start to evolve in some way. And I feel good being part of that, Yes. you know, adding to that. So, yeah, I wouldn't change almost anything about this. I love to hear you say that because as someone who saw you go through it and Mm -hmm. who knew you when you went through it and knows you now, I hold you in the highest regard for having the courage to do that. You've you've earned it. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Um, I hear you. We hear you. And as I said before, I I know you to be a, a person of integrity and great strength and I never saw, I've known that throughout knowing you, but throughout this ordeal that you went through and that you chose to come forward with, I don't think there's been a time since I've met you that I thought you were more courageous or more strong. So I want to thank you for doing what you did. And the fact that you would do it over again with a little tweaks here and there Mm -hmm. makes, it warms my heart because you helped a lot of people and I guarantee that most of the people you helped, you don't even know you helped. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. This has just been a beautiful conversation to hear from you, Shireen. And in general, I would ask people, I would ask you, how can people get a hold of you for your services, uh, contact you? But in this case, I don't know that that really fits unless you feel it fits. I I don't need anybody to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody wants to find me, they can find me. Yes. Very clearly, we have discovered they can find me online. <laughs> yeah. Um, if somebody is looking for my services because of this, I might I might be happy to talk to them on the phone, but yes. I would probably refer them to other excellent clinicians. Yes. There is a part of me that hesitates to give my personal info out or my contact info out again just because of everything that I had to deal with. Of course. But I'm open. If somebody does want to reach me, they're welcome to find me. Great. And do that. And and refer to this and say, you know, I heard your, your podcast with Greg and I would love to talk to you. So if they want to reach me, 
they can email me, and that email is just my first and last name at mac.com. That's Shireen Hariri at mac.com, or just Google, and you'll find me. Lovely. Shireen, thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. Okay, so what now? We just listened to an interview where a woman said, I didn't even need the person who violated my boundaries to come forward and admit that he did it, or admit that he remembered it, or say that I'm right. All I needed was for him to hear me and validate that I've been in pain for a long time because of what happened. She just needed to be acknowledged to be heard, not to be swept under the rug. She also said that she has empathy for the man who she remembers violating her boundaries long ago, and she has empathy for the people today who attacked her online, discredited her, called her names, and told her that she was crazy, and worse. She had empathy for them because she saw them as human beings, she sees him as a human being, she knows that we're all fallible, And instead of attacking them back, she saw the humanity in them, even though it hurt her feelings. If that's not the microcosm of everything we talk about here, then I don't know what is. Human beings heal through relationship. We need other people to hear us, to validate us, to empathize with us. That can help us when we're in pain. Can we listen to whoever comes forward, whether it's in pop culture or the news or in our own lives, and say, You were hurt, tell me more. And listen to them and validate what they've been through. If someone comes to us and says that we have hurt them or violated their boundaries, can we listen to what they say instead of immediately going to a defense and dehumanizing them to protect ourselves? That's my intention. I hope it's yours too. If somebody hurts your feelings and you have a conversation with them where they let you know what they were going through at that time, can you also listen to them? It doesn't mean we have to forgive people. It doesn't mean we have to say that what they did was right. But can we treat them and hope that they treat us as human beings? Because being heard and being validated is one of the most healing things that we could possibly do. Let's make that our goal. See you soon. Thanks for listening to A Brave New Man Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to A Brave New Man on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And come follow us on Instagram at A Brave New Man Pod. That's A Brave New Man P-O-D for updates on the show and our daily words of wisdom. See you next time.